Hello, Esther Deborah here, and this is Agape Love. Love is here. This is one of the many video sections of the ministry of Pastor Deborah, helping people the Lord's way. Please enjoy the video, and we look forward to you coming again. Pastor Deborah hopes you enjoy hearing about how she has learned. How to help people the Lord's way and have her many wonderful spiritual experiences throughout many, many years of helping people. Welcome again to a video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. This is Pastor Deb. Love always and forever. Hello again. Pastor Deborah here. And this is another global teleministry teaching. As you know, we've been working through Isaiah 61. It is the heart of a loving Heavenly Father. It is His desires and it is His purpose for touching us, coming to us, speaking to us in dreams and visions. I know. Yeah. You've had them. Especially over in countries that don't really know a lot about him. He's been coming to you. Some of you think you're kind of having some weird nightmares, but you're not. He's calling your name, even speaking your language. He's showing up as a voice in the light. Yeah, I know. I've been there myself. He talks to me all the time, this wonderful, loving, heavenly Father that we've been studying out of Isaiah 61. We had just finished part one of verse eight. We ended up going through a powerful scripture called it was dealing with agape love. But before we get started in this one, you know me, Pastor Deborah. Let's have prayer. Father, for all those that you have been touching, speaking to in their dreams, showing up in ways they only they knew was it was you. Father, we thank you for reaching out. With your anointed word. And calling to us. Speaking to us. Even our very name. Showing up to us. And most of all helping us. To learn about you. And your heart. And the reason why you had to send. Your word. Wrapped inside of a man called Christ Jesus why did he have to come to planet earth and speak to us why did he have to go to a cross sir why was that so necessary we thank you that you are teaching us and showing us and you are helping us to reveal and understand this powerful love you have for us for every child and adult every gender and no gender and for your love for the earth itself even the dolphins even the snakes 
the bats, the dogs, that you are a God of love. Oh, you're much more, but right now we're learning about you and help us as we study the ancient prophet Isaiah and how he talked to us about you through you. So we thank you, Father, for this time together with you and the spirit of truth. Amen. You know me, Pastor Deborah. I always like to start off with some wonderful words of wisdom. So let's begin. Proverbs 25, 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But it is the honor of a king. That is all of humanity. Believe it or not. Is to search out this matter. We have a lot of searching to do. And this video is just one little search. We're digging as archaeologists through the layers and layers of dirt and dust. We're digging through rubble and beliefs and concepts. We're digging, digging, digging down, down to the very beginnings. We're learning about ourselves by learning about Him. Now to our second verse that will help us to prepare ourselves so we can have an open heart and open mind. What? You don't know these? That's okay. Words of wisdom are found throughout all of humanity, in every age, in every faith. All the gods wanted us to know something about themselves and about us. Did you know there's a wonderful story called The Odyssey? And it was about a young man who was from Greece. A king, in fact. And he went to help his friends from Greece to Troy, which I believe is in Turkey, to get some girl back named Helen. Well, they fought for ten years and they couldn't win because Troy was high up on a hill, very well protected. Ten years just for getting a girl back. So this young man who the story is about. I think his name is Odysseus. That may not be correct. But if you go read the Odyssey, the Iliad, you'll learn. Well, he came up with a great idea. The Trojans loved and worshipped horses. So let's take our ships, break them apart, and build this humongous horse. But inside we would hide our soldiers, our warriors, and they would be brought into the very heart of this fortress. They could open the door from the inside, and our other men, who were sort of hiding around the corner in the boats, could come on in, and we could, they could take over the city and get the girl back. So this young man from Greece did that. 
and they they built the Trojan horse. And the horse was brought inside because the Troy the Trojans and that's not how you say that. The people from Troy loved horses. They worshipped horses. And out came the Greeks. And the rest of the story is history. Helen was retrieved. Troy was destroyed. Well, after this, this young man went out to the cliffs. You'll see it in the movie, which I'll put down there in the description. Stands out on the bluffs and goes, Look at what I created. I had this idea. It was all my idea. We couldn't defeat the Trojans. I came up with this idea of the horse. Me, me, me. Praise me, O God. Well, some god named Poseidon didn't like that. He rose up in big waves and he spoke to this young man. said, how dare you think that you got that idea by yourself. I'm going to show you that man without a god is nothing. You didn't come up with the idea. You didn't defeat him. It was me, Poseidon. Therefore, to show you what I mean, buddy, you ain't getting home. You're going to have an endless journey. You're going to suffer for that attitude toward the God. Toward the gods. Thinking you can live your life without us. You can even breathe and have ideas without us. I'm going to show you. And for 10 long or 20 years, this young man never made it home. All along the way, he ran into other gods. Oh, he was tempted by sex and drugs and alcohol. He delayed because of the lust of his flesh. He'd be shipwrecked and he'd call out to Poseidon, Why don't you just kill me? Get it over with. And this God said, I don't want to kill you. I want you to suffer. And I want you to know that you can't live without us. And I want you to humble yourself. And you ain't humbled yet. Now there's wise words from ancient Greece for us to study. So look around. Many wise people have been in many nations. And listen to them. They got stories to tell us. So let's go to Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search. I try and look at the heart. Your thoughts. The reins. The ideas you have, the concepts you believe in, the beliefs you have, the willingness or unwillingness, the reason for your doing what you're doing. I try those. I test you to prove you, to reveal to yourself what is there. To reveal them. To see what guides you. What directs you. 
What are your deep thoughts that are your reins? How are you led? What turns you to the right or to the left? As a horse is led by reins with a bit in his mouth, but the bit in his mouth produces pain, like in the story with this Greek man. Pain will turn you this direction or that direction. If there's no pain, usually you go straight ahead or just wander around. He says, I'm looking to see what's driving you, turning you, sitting on you as a rider and pulling your reins of your actions and your deeds. He's looking. Why would he do this, he says. Because I need to give you something, reward you, bless you, according to your acts and your deeds, the end results of your thoughts and desires. To what end? So you will be blessed or cursed as this young Greek was. I'm looking. Others may not be looking, but I'm looking, he says. Now to Isaiah 61, verse 8, part 2. In the last one, we ended up, as I said, with what was love, that it was the likeness of God. We had learned that in verse 8, God loves judgment. Because some things came along, perverted his image and his likeness in us, in all of humanity. He hated that. He didn't hate the us, the humans. We couldn't help it. We were like the horse with a bit in our mouth. We were born, being pulled and uh, in this direction and that direction because of pain. We didn't know what we had lost, but he did. And he knew who took it and stole it. And he hated that. So he said, I'm going to help you. So I have to send myself my word. So here's what he tells us in the first verses, excuse me, of Isaiah 61. He says, I need to come to you, you who have been the image and likeness of me has been destroyed and perverted in you. And your own image and likeness has been sunk down into the soul, the flesh, the nastiness of sin and rebellion. So I'm coming to you. And here's what I need to do to help you. I need to preach to you, teach, proclaim, and demonstrate through the power of my kingdom, authority, and dominion good tidings unto you, the meek, the very fearful of death itself, fearful of eternity, and even me, and those who 
are bent over. You're not, you can't stand up straight. You have no honor and dignity. So I've got to come and talk to you. You're bowed down in hopelessness. And I need to bring you some hope. Two, I've come to bind up those things that are broken in you. Your heart, it's disassociated and fractured. It's broken because of the sin and the sickness that's in you. It's broken and fractured from me, from yourself, from others. The image and likeness I gave you in the beginning has been destroyed, changed. I want to replace it and put back into you what was there. Our broken relationship. Our two hearts are broken from each other. And your relationships with other humans, they're all broken, fractured. So I need to come back. The only thing that will help you is my word. That's anointed, so I'm coming to help you. This is what Isaiah 61, the first few verses, are telling us. It's a prophetic verse. He's saying, I'm coming. And I'm going to do some things to help humanity. And he goes on. He wants us to know what he's going to do. So we'll be looking for it. So when we finished up part one of Isaiah 61 verse 8, we ended up with what the image and likeness of God was that had been stolen by some thieves by some creatures and that he hated that theft and he hated those who stole from him who destroyed his image and likeness so he's trying to tell us he doesn't hate us we were the recipients we were the spoils of a battle We were stolen from him, perverted and forced into slavery and oppression by this captor. And he goes on to tell us he's coming to rescue us. We can't rescue ourselves. This enemy that has stolen us from him, perverted his image and likeness, is very powerful. It is a king of this earth. It's a god of this earth. A creator of all that you see. That's evil and wicked and greedy and lustful. And abusive and killing. This thing was an angel at one time. Named Lucifer. Son of the morning. Son of the first age. He got lifted up in pride. Because of his beauty. And he thought he should sit on the high throne where God sat, the Creator. Well, he got cast out of that kingdom. Fell down here to this earth and started building his own. He became a god of perverted creation. He created horrible images and likenesses in humans 
created all kinds of things. Now he had no creative power, but he had to use what he had. Lust and envy, greed, jealousy and hate. They were the seeds of this new creation that we, all of humanity, became. The image we had, the likeness we had, we lost it. It was stolen from us. And God is telling us in verse 8, I hate that robbery that was done to me and that was done to humanity. So let's pick up part 2. We go back to the reasons why God had to come back and help us through his anointed word that was implanted inside of a young man with a body of dirt named Jesus. The Christ in there, Christ means Messiah, the anointed king. It was a spirit that inside that spirit was this powerful Holy Spirit of God the Father himself. Sort of three in one. You get one, you get them all. And that anointing of the Holy Spirit was going to do some powerful things spiritually and set captives free. And here in Isaiah 61, we're getting a glimpse of what that's going to look like and why it's coming. So he says also, number three, he's got to come and proclaim liberty, freedom from slavery, of darkness, which is ignorance. We have to be set free from the slavery of hell, the bondage of the fear of death, which came through sin and rebellion and disobedience way, way back in one of our first ancestors named Adam. And now we have become one, married to, bonded with our soul. The two became one. I got a book about that. I haven't got it up yet on the website, but I will. The spirit, when it lost its high place called the penthouse, it fell. And it fell down deep in the soul, into the flesh, where sin, corruption, and the lust of it ruled. And the soul's personality, its image and likeness of itself, became created by Satan, who used to be Lucifer. And the word Satan means adversary of God. The soul was one now with the spirit. This falling king called humanity. So the spirit took on this dark image and likeness. That was its personality. Who it believed it was. It was full of darkness and ignorance covered in flesh the Bible uses the foreskin of a penis to try to explain it 
to us and how that needs to be clipped away, a circumcision. And he tells us we're going to have to do that to free the spirit. That's a Hebrews 4.12 experience where the word of God comes down and cuts free the spirit out of the soul, separates them. Now the spirit can be dealt with, taught, ministered to, comforted, and loved on in the light, separate from the soul. Then eventually the spirit will grow, be healed, and it will shine light, which is truth, into the soul, and the soul will be transformed. Might take a long time. Takes a lot of light to transform that old thing. And that old soul, sometimes it's going to have to get to the point where it says to itself, I am so horrible and wicked. I must give up my old thoughts and ways and personality and die to that and become this new creature that my spirit is trying to tell me I am. So this loving father who's speaking to us out of Isaiah 61 is telling us, I'm coming to proclaim that spiritual freedom and deliverance to your spirit and to your soul. And I'm coming in a special way. This thick foreskin, this covering, this marriage, this one with the soul and spirit was not was the original pattern. But the spirit was to be the head, the king. And the soul, which was represented by woman, the helpmate, was to be its servant. Was to help the spirit out in the world. But that got all mixed up. And the soul, who had been declared by Adam, that's another story, to be just flesh and bone became the head they became married and what happened was the spirit started following the soul the suggestions of the woman to eat of this forbidden fruit and the spirit who was supposed to be the king the leader became the tail that is a sad situation so God says, i got to come down and do something about this. Everybody, the spirit, the soul, even the physical body, it is so nasty, so evil and wicked. There is no saving it. I have to rebirth them all. But first, before they're willing to do that, I'm going to proclaim some things to them. So they will, the old will give up, go to the cross, and die. And they will allow a new creature, a new spirit to be born. So man's willingness and his willing heart to die and be born again is involved. But that willingness to do that was stolen 
by these robbers. That is why God came down and said, I hate robbery for burnt offerings. I'm supposed to be receiving something. I can't. It's been robbed from me. It's been robbed from humanity. And I love my judgment I'm going to bring against the thieves. A lot of people interpret that God hates us. He never did. He hated the things that we became and the things we did in that condition. But not us, his creation. He knew if he could get to us and help us, the old would pass away and a new creature he could create and he would start over. So let's keep going. So what happened was the spirit could no longer worship this God in spirit anymore or in truth. It wasn't free of ignorance and darkness. It was covered in a foreskin of ignorance and slavery and depression. The only thing that could worship was the soul. And God would not accept that. That was flesh. It was of the old nature. So God says, I got to come down. First, I'm going to proclaim and decree some things and set my word on earth and begin its work. First, I decree. That is what kings do. First, I make the law. I let everybody know I'm coming. And then I begin. So what God was telling us was there was a great need for a proclamation, a decreeing and declaring of liberty and freedom. And it was needed for all of humanity, for all of time. I'm going to read a lot of word to you. To help you understand what this deep need was. And why it had to be declared. This freedom from this oppression. Why this had to be proclaimed. What was God wanting? What had been stolen from him? What had been stolen from humanity? In our darkness, our ignorance, we don't know. So God knew and he was going to tell us. Let's go to John 4, 1 through 26. going to be some long ones. Verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had made and baptized more disciples, students, than John, they became jealous and envious, angry. Their flesh, their soul was stirred up. Remember at this time, that's all that was pretty much on planet earth. The spirits were here, but they were useless. They were quiet and dark and asleep. And the spirit, if you ever met it, seemed to 
be just the same personality as the soul. But if you've ever met a spirit from a human, you know that inside of it, even in the darkness, there is a little hole, a little heart that is empty for love and is seeking it and seeking hope and it's seeking its mother. A great book to find that out is called Are You My Mother? by P.D. Eastman. Excellent children's book. To see what man's search was like for its mother, which is agape love, which was stolen from us by these thieves of fear of death, sin and rebellion, by a evil, wicked, fallen cherubim inside a snake, hanging in a tree, talking to woman, denying the words of God, twisting them up, bringing confusion to these babies who had never lived outside of a garden, never heard another voice but the animals and their God. They were used to animals talking to them. So this didn't seem strange. But what happened inside of that dirt animal, the serpent, was this Satan, the adversary of God. He was challenging the very words of this father and mother, the very commandment that they were to follow. He was putting a spell on bewitching the woman who was the soul. She didn't know what it was. They were innocent children who were kidnapped, trafficked, bought, robbed right out of the garden, right out of the loving hands of the father. Of course, the father knew this was going to happen. He was prepared because he was going to show off his great love and power and his forgiveness. And he was going to show his judgment against injustice and evil and jealousy. For he tells us in verse 8, I love judgment. He hates injustice. And he hates robbery. And he hates the thieves that stole it. Doesn't hate those that are now slaves and oppressed. They can't help it. Oh, they do bad and evil and wicked things. And God tried to work with them for a long time. But he eventually had to leave them to their own ways and go away. You'll read about that and see that in the three inheritance videos. God had to go and grow up himself. And when we... Sorry about that interruption. I was supposed to be on a Zoom call and between... Their Eastern time and my Central time, it got all messed up. So I had to reschedule. And I lost my train of thought. But I think I can get back to it. Is everybody still here? Okay, good. We were talking about how something important was stolen from humanity. A gift, a relationship, knowledge and wisdom was all stolen. That's my firewall. Just ignore it. And what happened was, this God in Isaiah 61 verse 8 is telling us he loves judgment. 
against those things and those creatures that stole from him these wonderful gifts we, spiritual people, inside the dirt body were to have. And we were stolen and kidnapped from him ourselves. So he tells us, I love the judgment I'm going to bring on those evil, wicked creatures for doing this. And I hate the robbery that occurred to me and to my children and stealing things from them and hiding them from them and keeping them from them. One of the main areas was our worship of this God, our image and likeness to be like him and our relationship with him. And we started talking about how this was played out and talked to us and shown us when this young man named Jesus the Christ walked on the earth many thousands of years after Isaiah the prophet prophesied this. Now my Java's trying to talk to me to tell me I need an update. I don't know what's going on with Java, but it keeps updating and updating. I don't even use it. So, we were in John 4, starting to work through 1 through 26. We had just started with verse 1, and we were talking about how the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders. The caretakers, supposed to be the shepherds of this faith, of these words. They had heard about this Jesus, and he had lots of disciples, which means followers or students. And he was teaching of a new philosophy and concept, something about the kingdom of heaven has arrived. It's returned. It's here now. And he was starting to demonstrate it. Well, this wasn't the message that these Pharisees were talking. They were teaching Moses' law, which happened to be Moses' law to the flesh, to flesh creatures, to just the soul. That's all that God could work with at that time. For humanity did not have an alive spirit reconnected back to him through the Holy Spirit. So all he had was the soul and its ignorance and its darkness and its concepts of slavery and its fearfulness. But he was trying. So he gave this soul, the flesh, a law. He's trying to work from the inside, excuse me, from the outside, the soul and the physical body, inside, <coughs> excuse me, to start transforming the soul, to get it to be willing to see that it's a mess and it needs rebirth. <coughs> Excuse me. So he was working from the outside physical body to the soul. But this young man named Christ, who is inside this body called Jesus, comes along and he starts talking from up here in heaven down to the spirit and out to the soul and he's saying this kingdom of heaven is here 
Well, where was it? It was inside of Christ. It was the Holy Spirit who was the governor, the ambassador of this kingdom. And it was inside, and it had anointed and was full-powered, so to speak, in the Spirit, which made this Spirit, this human Spirit, to be called the Christ, the Anointed One. He was anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was bringing the anointed word. Oh, this is deep, deep stuff to try to figure out. But we're not going to go to all of that. We're just going to study at the Pharisees who were teaching another law, the law of Moses. And they started getting angry and jealous that people were following this Jesus now. They were listening to what he was saying. He could demonstrate his words of power, healing and deliverance through something called the kingdom. Ooh, that made the Pharisees mad. Even though Jesus himself, in verse 2, he didn't actually take the person into the water and baptize him. His disciples did that. Verse 3. He, Jesus, and his disciples, they left Judea, getting out of town, and departed again into another town, Galilee. This Jesus guy, he's always walking and moving and going, getting in boats, traveling across the lakes to do ministry with one person, getting back in the boat, going over here, walking, walking, walking. He was a true evangelist, always on the go. Nowadays, Pastor Deborah does the same thing. It's just all on social media. Traveling, 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 teaching, 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 meeting people, meeting people. Verse 4. And he, Jesus, needed to go through, because he was going someplace. He had to go through a land city called Samaria. Verse 5. Then came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And it was near the parcel of ground that Jacob, one of the Jews' ancient ancestors, had stayed in and gave to his son Joseph. Excuse me. Verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being very tired and wearied with his journey, he sat down at the well. The well was the center of the town. Everybody came to the well. And it was about the sixth hour of the day. Verse 7. Then there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water from the well and Jesus said unto her give me some water to drink he says verse 8 for his Jesus' disciples they were gone away and they had gone into the city of Sychar to buy some food for it was about lunch time and they all went and left him sitting at the well and that was all God ordained. 
verse nine. Then said the woman of Samaria unto Jesus, who's sitting there at the well, "How is it that you, being a Jew," she says, "ask a drink of me, which am just a woman of Samaria?" Boy, she didn't think much of herself, because the Jews didn't think much of her. For the Jews have no dealings, relationship, communication with us, the Samaritans. Ooh, that's not nice. For all those words in the Moses law, the Jews didn't even like their neighbors, didn't love them. Verse ten. Jesus answered and said unto her. So he's breaking protocol right there. A Jew. How could she tell he was a Jew when he wore his shawl? It had the markings and the colorings of the Jews, and maybe he had a little physical difference than she did. He's breaking. He's talking to the other side, the enemy, the heathens, the infidels, the Samaritans, lower than the dogs, probably to the Jewish. Rabbis and Pharisees. Oh, but Jesus loved going to those people, and so should you. He said, "If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that says to you, which happened to be God Himself inside this young man, please give me a drink," you would have asked of Him. This God, Himself, and He would have given you living water, waters out of the eternal well of salvation. Now that scripture takes us to another one to help us more deeply understand what He's talking about. So we're going to go to Isaiah. Twelve, one through six, verse one, and in that day you shall say, "O Lord, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Your anger is turned away." That's what Isaiah sixty-one is telling us. I'm not looking at your anger anymore. I was angry with the flesh. That's for sure, because I don't like that stuff. And you comforted me. Who's talking there? The Spirit is talking. Verse two: Behold, God is my salvation. The Spirit in this man. Isaiah is saying, "I will trust and not be afraid." The spirit is starting to be healed. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. So Isaiah is starting to tell us that the strength of the spirit and its ability to sing and praise is the Lord Himself. Which at the time of Isaiah sixty-one, humanity did not have. He also is become my salvation. A lot of times we don't know what we need to be saved from. 
we don't know. We're in such ignorance and darkness about ourselves, the world, everything. We don't know. We have to learn. Verse 4. Therefore with joy shall you draw, the Lord is telling, this spirit that Isaiah is speaking about. You shall have free access to water out of the wells of salvation. When the spirit realizes that God is its strength and it will trust him and not be afraid. See, humanity who doesn't know him and many that do are afraid of him still. And he's not their strength yet. They're still feeling the anger. In the Catholicism, you pray to the saints and to Mother Mary because they believe this Jesus is a very angry God and his father, and you can't talk to him. So you go through Mama, or she'll go talk to him for us. See, there's, there's still sense in his anger. That was turned away long, long ago. It disappeared when he went off in the wilderness for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New. When he came out of the wilderness, he was a new creature himself. All his anger towards humanity was gone. He was nothing but love. Sort of like the father went away and came back filled with agape love. The mother came back to planet earth. The father, we see him in his great anger in the Old Testament trying to deal with this humanity as his child and discipline him and spank him and send him into his room without his dinner and whip him and all kinds of things. And some people believe that's how you get respect from people and how you show your power is you beat the tar out of them. You stay angry with them. Well, that part of God, the Father part, the angry creator had to go off. And Mama, agape love, the greatest of everything, showed back up on planet Earth, said, Honey, you go take a break. You tried it your way. You tried to discipline the children many different ways. Your patience has run out. You need a break. Now let me go to work. Let me go in those rooms where you have banished them to. Into the far lands. Let me just love them in the prison cells. Let me go into where they are and love on them. Let your love shine brighter than all your discipline and all your anger. Let the love of you be the glorious, radiant voice and strength and power. So that's sort of how it went. Just thought I'd throw that in. So God says, okay, because I'm your joy now and your strength, you will draw from me. 
out of my waters, my deep wells of agape love, of your salvation. Verse 4. And in that day shall you say, this is God talking now, praise the Lord, proclaim, call upon him, his name, declare his doings among the people, make mentioned that his name is exalted. So when this young man, Christ Jesus, comes out of the wilderness and said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's doing exactly that. Verse 5, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. All the creatures know. But they are subjected to this evil thing called Satan. They cry and they moan. For how humanity in its perverted and defiled image is treating it. And he's saying sing spirit. Sing to your Lord. You're free now. Verse 6. Cry out. Shout. You inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel. In the midst of you. Now that's a deep. We think it's the Jews in Israel. But it's not. But it is. It's Israel is the spirit Israel means prince so inside your spirit there's a great city called Jerusalem the city of peace where God's Holy Spirit can rest in its temple and shine out of its light interact with your spirit that is called high mountain Zion and the Lord says when there's peace in your spirit between me and you Israel is alive and it is the king of the spirit of the soul and the body and it rules and reigns deep within from the king of Zion himself the most high God now let's get back to John 4 1 through 26 Jesus sitting at the well with the woman so that other was to help tell you about the wells of salvation and how things are decreed spoken deeply looked at somewhere else to help explain, expound on what we're studying. Verse 11. The woman said unto him, to Christ Jesus, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is very deep. From where then have you this living water? She's looking in the natural. You don't have a bucket, sir. And where is that living water you're talking about? You're just sitting here. The only water around us is what's in this well. And it's deep down there. And I don't see your bucket. 
So, sir, she says, if you have no bucket to draw this living water from, where then is your bucket? And where's the water? Those would be some good questions to ask. Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Which gave us this well? She's asking very important questions about who this man was. And drank of it himself? And his children? And his cattle? She's asking. Have you ever been asked that question? Are you greater than our ancestors? Who brought us here to this land? Verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water, from this well we're at right now, shall thirst again. He says, But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. That's a strange thing to say. You don't have a bucket? It's not that water in that well you're talking about? But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing rising up into everlasting life that is a heavy word to say and he says it so humbly and calmly can you imagine what her face must have looked like like huh I have no idea what you're talking about. This makes no sense. Verse 15. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, so that I thirst not, neither, and neither have to come to this well, here to draw this water. So she's thinking, there's some other kind of water that I'll never have to physically thirst again. I won't have to come here and draw. I'll take it. Sort of like free stuff. Give me some free water, free food, free water bottles. So I don't have to come here. How about have the UN send in some free supplies or other countries? So I don't have to come here and labor and put down this bucket and I can have a life of Riley. I'll take it. Give me that free water for sure. Can you see her thinking? It's all about flesh. It's all about natural. Verse 16. So now we're going to, the lady's going into a test. About the kingdom of heaven's spiritual gifts. It's operation. Who's talking to her? Test time. Now she didn't come to the well to have a test. But you never know when you're going to be tested. 
what you're going to be tested on and who you're talking to. Some days you might be talking to an angel or to Jesus Christ himself in the natural. Any powerful spirit, even Pastor Deborah's spirit, can manifest wherever it is taken in another form and be there. That's the power of the spirit. Jesus said unto her, here comes the test. Go, call your husband to come here. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, Here's the answer. I have no husband. Well, how did Jesus know that she was with somebody, living with somebody? And her answer was the truth. And Jesus said unto her, Through the spiritual gifts, the words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, and words of wisdom, you have well said. See, he already knew the truth. But was she willing to say the truth to a stranger? Now, she didn't explain. She just said, I have no husband. That's all she said. But Jesus, through these gifts, knew she was living with someone, having sex with that person, but they were not legally married according to the Samaritan law. She passed the test. You have well said, he told her. You told the truth. I have no husband. Verse 18. For you have had five husbands. Spiritual gift of words of knowledge. And discerning of spirits. In operation. Right there. He is going to do ministry. Spiritually. To help her understand. What he's saying. About this living water. And he's using and operating in the spiritual gifts. Can you do that? Do you operate in those gifts? And he whom you now have, he's not your husband. Words of knowledge and wisdom. In answering this question about your private life, who the man you are living with, you have said the truth. She could have lied, but she didn't. That is important to know. When you will cover up, and you will lie about the, what you are really doing, you're not open to hearing his words. Verse 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, one who is in touch with God, very spiritual and knowledgeable, a seer. Do you know how that when you are trying to help people understand deep spiritual things, you must be moving in the spiritual gifts. Many people 
do move in them, but through a different source. We call them psychics, fortune tellers, tarot card readers. Some of them move in what they call all kinds of spirituality. We go to them. We need. We want help because we know they're connected to some spiritual source. And we're not. So she recognized in this young Jew, this man, he was in connection with a God. And he was a prophet to her because he had knowledge that only she knew. Most people are fascinated with that, awestruck. There's not much they revere and they honor these people. So the enemy of truth has his own prophets out there. And people seek them out. Verse 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I believe you are a prophet. And you are in touch with a God. Verse 20. Our fathers, now the conversation, she feels free to open up. Because this person is in touch with a God. So now they can talk. They can move away from the natural water, the well, her husband, to spiritual conversation. And talking about God. Our fathers, she says, worshipped. In this mountain. And you say as a Jew. That in Jerusalem. Is the place. Where men ought to worship God. Now we got. This lady saying. I'm confused. We've been worshiping for a long time over here. This God on this mountain. But now you're telling us you Jews. We got to go to this building. In this city. And that's the only place we can worship God. Okay. Now how did we get there? Deuteronomy 12. 5 through 7 tells us. Verse 5. But unto the place. Which the Lord your God. Shall choose. Out of all your tribes. To put his name there. Even unto his habitation shall you seek. Now this was in the flesh. But now we're going with this young man into the spirit. And there you shall come. So In the Old Testament it was in an earthly place. A mountain. A building. So when you see people now going to synagogues, mosques, buildings, going places, doesn't matter where, you see any uh, secret society, how about the Bohemian Grove, going out in the woods, worshiping an idol, you see Satanists going to a place, a barn, a meeting, wherever, they're inside a place to worship. And there's prayer and songs and music. All kinds of things. He's saying yes. 
That is what the flesh had to be directed to do. But not anymore. Those days are over with, he's saying. A new type of worship, a new place, new way of doing things is coming and is here. Verse 6. And these you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vows and your free will offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. This place for the flesh to go was to be the central location for all of your free will offerings. Now that's real important because that free will and bringing offerings and praise got kidnapped, stolen long ago. Verse 7 And there you shall eat before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all you put your hand unto. You and your households. Wherein the Lord your God has blessed you. So we learn this was decided in the Old Testament for the flesh. Now this young man is telling her that's the way it used to be. But no more. The times they are a changing. We see that right now when, due to COVID, the systems of government, meetings, church, <coughs> school, <coughs> sports, the times, they are a-changing. For instance, you might need to go to school. Well, you used to go to a brick-and-mortar school and sit in your desk. No more. You can still get the education, but it's going to be online. Everything. Charter schools. Online. Church. Online. Bible studies and teaching. Online. Shopping. Online. Everything is in change and flux. And that's what this young man is telling her. Yes, you used to go there. Yes, that was the rules. Because that was just for the flesh. That's all. Because you were spiritually dead. Your spirits could not worship. Your free will was not free. But I worked with what I had. Which was the flesh. But now the times they are changing. So connect that to what's happening in your nation now with this COVID. How we do health care. How we do school. Business. Politics. Our conventions over here right now, they're the strangest thing we've ever seen. Everything is on Zoom. Everything is social media. I just talked to a young man this morning trying to teach him to be a social media missionary, pastor, evangelist, teacher, all out on social media, just like I'm doing to you. Zoom meetings all the time now. Things, they are a-changing. When we went from wagons to steam locomotives, times were changing. When we went from trains to airplanes, 
times of travel were changing. When the car came and we no longer had to ride in horse-drawn carriages and buggies, the times were changing. When we had to grow our own food for ourselves, but now we can go to grocery stores. Before there was television, there was radio. Before there was radio, there was Western Union, the telegraph. Before that, there were letters. Times are a-changing. As they were back then, how you were to worship this God, he was going to take them deep into the Spirit now. He's going to free the Spirit. Isaiah 61 is telling us the Spirit's in trouble. And he's laying out all of the problems and sicknesses. And this Jesus, he is explaining a little bit more about what needs to be free, where the true worship is going to be. So he's, so we're back now to John 4, 1 through 26, verse 21. Jesus said unto this lady at the well, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain here in Samaria, where you and your people go, nor yet at Jerusalem. No, not anymore, even in Jerusalem, in the temple, shall they and you worship. Schools, you will no longer probably ever go to a brick and mortar school like you used to again. If you look at a lot of movies, you will see a lot of things get moved into the techie stage. Things are changing. Things are being shaken that have not been shaken for a long time. Systems, nations, governments, people. Things are changing. The Father, the God that you have been worshiping, now is desiring to become humanity's spiritual father. He wants to change the relationship. You had been worshiping him as God. Now he wants to be your spiritual father. That was unheard of. The Greeks told us that there were some people who were divinely impregnated, a woman, and the child was the son of a god or the daughter of a god. Back in ancient Egypt, we heard about becoming a divine god, a pharaoh. But somewhere along the line, that all went away. And we just became some sort of human. And we didn't have a spiritual father. But now this concept was coming back in the right context. Most people at that time didn't see God as their father, but as God. Because if you said he was your father, then that made you his child and that made you a god yourself oh no 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 that could not be 
But here we are at the well. Something was changing. And this young man was was telling this woman, the hour has come when this is going to change. It's now here. You worship, he says, you do not know what. You have been worshiping in ignorance out of a relationship with God as your spiritual father. You don't know that. Now, at this time, she's uncreated yet, unborn to him. He's saying he's going to rebirth you and he's going to put his image and likeness back in you. You're going to become a new creature and he's going to, going to be in a new relationship and he's going to be your father. Not only, and that means your creator, your sustainer, your nurturer, you will be his child, his offspring. This was a new philosophy for these people. They had been taught that they were just to worship him, obey him, or else. There was no father relationship, no love of that kind with this God. We see that in many, many other faiths. Just obey and submit. And that's how you get blessed. Just obey, sacrifice, and maybe you won't be born again as a worse creature than you are. No father relationship was there. No father and child. So he's telling her, can you imagine the look on her face? But he's talking through and past her soul. That dark veil of foreskin. He's talking directly to her spirit. Because it got opened through the spiritual gifts. And her acceptance of him as a prophet. We know what type of relationship he desires. When he says we, he's talking about the Father's there, the Holy Spirit's there, and the Christ is there. To be in with all humans we that we worship. For the spiritual salvation is of the Jews. It's coming through them. The word Jews just means jewelry. And you'll learn more about that they were picked. Somebody had to be the ones. Could have been any group. But it was them. So this young man is telling this woman. This God desires a new relationship with all of humanity. A father-child relationship. So let's go to 2 Kings 17.29. Verse 29. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own, and put them in the houses of the high places, which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. Everybody knew about gods. Everybody had gods. Every city had a god. Every house had a god. You can talk to people all over the world about gods. God and goddesses. They all got them. 
They're in their homes. They worship them. They pray to them. They ask them for help. Because life is a mess down here. And they know they need the help of a God. Unlike that guy in the Greek Odyssey. He had to learn a lesson the hard way. Until you learn that man without God is nothing. It's nothing but evil wickedness. There are some countries and nations that want nothing. No God in it at all. Nothing. Because the God that they are serving is the God of this world who will have no other God, no other worship except to him. It just, he takes the veil of stars, government, politics, systems. He loves certain colors. And he will take anybody and shut their mouths, lock them up, put them in gulags, tear down their temples, tear down their statutes, punish them for any belief or faith in anything. But in that particular country's government, they do not bow, they are in deep trouble. Some people themselves, the leaders, they want to be the God of that nation that everybody worships and bows down to. So, gods are around us in all shapes and all forms. Back to John 4, 1 through 26, verse 23. But this young man is telling this woman at the well, but the hour comes and now is here. Because he was there with her. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Oop, now you got to listen. Not this God as God, but God as Father. In spirit and in truth. For the Father spiritually seeks such to worship him. Verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit, that's the where, and how? By their spirit, that is spiritually in knowledge of, And knows the truth of him. But at this time. And even now. Most of humanity's spirit. Is not free. Their free. Their will is not free. They're living in darkness and ignorance. They do not have this truth of this God as a spirit. They do not have the truth about this relationship. That this God wants to be their father, their source, their creator. So that is why Isaiah 61 was so important. 
to tell us because of you our lack of freedom to know this the ignorance and the darkness that you have the jails that you're in the oppression you're feeling the wounds you're blind to this so he goes on and that takes us he's telling her that this living water that I'm talking about comes from this spiritual father and you must learn to worship him in spirit not in the mountain not in the temple not in any building but wherever you are your spirit must be free and healed and freely be able to worship spiritually in the spirit this God and you must be able to worship him and have a relationship with him as a father and that was stolen from humanity and stolen from this God by thieves and robbers so when humanity goes to the mountain in Samaria or into the buildings in Jerusalem or anywhere to worship they're free their spirit is not free they're not worshiping in truth that has all been stolen and he hates that 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 has been stolen from him and from humanity and he's going after those that robbed him of it and robbed humanity of this relationship and this truth and the spirit's ability to worship him in spirit so let's go to 2nd Corinthians 3 13 through 8 verse 3 13 and not as Moses which put a veil over his face after being in the glorious presence of the Lord on the mountain or in the temple which put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly, continuously look to the end of the law of the flesh, which was death, which is abolished. They were not ready to be in the glorious spiritual presence yet of God, due to the death of the spirit Isaiah is telling us it's wounded it's hurt it's broken it's ignorant it cannot speak it's blind it's death it's in the flesh it's not ready to receive this powerful Holy Spirit the governor of the kingdom of heaven so Isaiah is saying I'm going to help it get ready verse 14 but instead their minds of the soul and the spirit were blinded he had to keep them blinded to the truth until the time came they were not ready in any way spiritually or in the flesh to receive this powerful powerful knowledge For unto this day remains the same veil, the blindness, 
that's untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which this veil is done away with in Christ when most people read the Old Testament they are still blind to what's there one young man named Paul who had a powerful spiritual experience he knew the Old Testament that's all they had the Torah went off for three years and when his eyes had been unblinded and he got born again he was ready to look into the glorious nature of the Old Testament and see with new spiritual eyes and heart what was hidden there in Islam they have the Old Testament a lot of them know about Abraham but they're still blinded and those blinders as that lady they have to be engaged desiring to know to look and see sometimes it comes in dreams and visions that the blindness goes away then they can learn so this young man is telling her at the well that time is coming and all people will not have to go places to worship it will be the spirit and it will worship spiritually and in truth this spiritual God but I need to do a lot of work with it and that's what the first verses of Isaiah 61 are telling us verse 15 but even unto this day when Moses that's the Old Testament the first five books is read the veil the blindness is upon their heart soul and spirit even in Islam when they read the Torah there's still blindness there the veil has not been lifted yet for them to see Christ in the first five books verse 16 but nevertheless when it the heart and the mind shall turn to the Lord the veil shall be taken away. Oh, it doesn't take much. A little look. One little link. Connection to Pastor Deborah. In the spirit. On the phone. In a group. In a Zoom meeting. On LinkedIn. Watching a video. I have the, all the nations of the world come. And I meet them in the spirit where this God is and the truth is everybody moves in the spirit some of them I have to go to because they're still in prisons and cells and dungeons and they're blind there's a great story I just sent to a wonderful wonderful Islamic person it's called the voice in the light and I'll put it here so you can listen to it it's how Pastor Deborah travels and where into the darkness and the kingdoms I go but he's saying the heart it doesn't take much God will take a look a whimper just a thought and he will begin unveiling the eyes of the spirit 
just like he did with the lady at the well. For he can see and read the Old Testament and see life everlasting in it and find this God who desires to be their father. Verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 16. But nevertheless, when it the heart and the mind shall turn, doesn't take much. The veil shall be taken away. Verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. He's not far. He is on planet earth. Just turn. Look up if you can. Have one little thought. Reach with a pinky finger. Don't have to do much. Pastor Deborah will be there. The Holy Spirit. Angels, we're coming. We'll lift the veil. We'll put the eye salve on your eyes. Because the light will hurt you for a little while. But we will come gently. You've been in the darkness so long. Your eyes have adjusted to it. But we'll come with gentle, gentle words and light. Verse 18. But we all, with open face, full eyes, full knowledge, beholding as in a glass, we will see the glory of the Lord. And we are all changed when we see that. We look, we perceive it, we understand it into the same image. And from glory to glory, by the Spirit of God, we are changed. Our spirit gains knowledge by looking into the glass of the image and likeness of God. It's looking back at us. Say, see yourself? Look. I'm here. Study me. You'll learn about you. Study the Old Testament. It's all there. That's all Paul had. That's all the early Christians had was the Old Testament, the first five books. It's all there. Christ is there. Salvation, birth, death. It's all there. Then when the New Testament, excuse me, came about, it expands on that. And it goes deeper. But Paul, when he wrote the his letters, he only had the Old Testament. That's all he had. He had ancient history and the Greeks and the Egyptians to study. Did you know that back in ancient Egypt, on the Pharaoh Akhenaten, inside a temple, he had the Lord's Prayer written. God was contacting him. The pharaohs were having powerful experiences. Did you know I'm going to do a tape, a teaching that Joseph, who came in to Egypt as a slave, became as the father to the pharaoh. And the pharaoh ordered and decreed that all of Egypt should worship this God of Joseph. For this God of Joseph not only had supernatural knowledge, a prophet, but he saved the nation through wisdom when the famine was coming. 
Sometimes your life seems horrible. You're kidnapped, trafficked, put in brothels, raped, left for dead, dying, and you don't even know that it can turn out for good. So let's keep going. So back to John 4, 126, verse 25. The woman said unto Jesus, I know that when the Messiah, Messiah, that means the anointed king, comes, which is called Christ, they already knew that. They had the prophecies. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Now she's saying some deep words to this young man. She thinks he's a prophet because he moved in spiritual gifts. He's talking strange to her about God as a spirit and he's a father. This is all at the well of Jacob. It's just her and him. The disciples are not there. Most of God's interactions with people are private, in the spirit, in dreams. When they're in the car, on their deathbeds, private, one-on-one. A lot of times he does talk, even when I'm talking to you. There are millions and billions of people right out in my door. Because I'm not really here. We're in the garden. There are people in the spirit. But the words speak one-to-one to the heart. And what did Jesus say to her when she said, I know when this guy comes... He's going to tell us all things. He's going to be called the Christ, the anointed king. I know that. And Jesus said unto her, That I that speak unto you am he. What a powerful statement to make. I am he who you're looking for. I am he who you know is coming. I am the anointed king. So in Isaiah 61 verse 8. We were on part 2. We've only gotten to that part. Where God says. I hate robbery. For burnt offerings. It means. When you give your burnt offerings. You have to have a free will. And it must be done in spirit and in truth. But because that was stolen from mankind humanity he hates what he gets it's not what he wants but he knows he can't blame humanity because they were taken captive due to ignorance and youth and they only give what they can give but because he is a spirit he cannot receive the worship from the flesh if they worship him Without a father relationship. He cannot receive it. Because that's not what he wants. So this verse. These two parts. We're going to have I think part 3 and 4. For verse 8. It's such a deep little section of God. Talking to us. Why he needed to come. What was the condition of the spirit. We are learning that. In the first few verses. Of Isaiah 61. He's talking to us about what he loves and what he hates. And he's trying to explain 
this love and hate to us. It's not against humanity. They are prisoners and they do only what they know to do. They lack knowledge and information. Their spirits are held captive in bondage. And he would look at them and cry and weep for the loss of them. And his hatred was turned towards Satan, the adversary of God, towards death and hell and the grave and ignorance that held these precious spirits he wanted and wanted to get to know and to be their father. They were kept away from him by these thieves. So he became a human rescuer. He came down here to rescue those who had been human trafficked, kidnapped and stolen, and held in bondage and brothels and used for Satan's purposes. He knows where everybody is. He'll come to you even in the marketplaces, even in the brothels. He will come to you in your dreams, even to the bad guys, even to those women who've done evil for men. Oh, their physical bodies might still be in prison and jail, but their spirits are free. That's where he works. He's here. He sent Isaiah 61 to us to tell us, I'm coming to free the spirit. It's all about the spirit and freeing and renewing of the soul. So enjoy part 2 of verse 8, Isaiah 61. We'll get to part 3 as we continue through verse 8. Then we'll go to verse 9. Then we'll do Isaiah 62. If you go slow, you look at the scripture reference, if you listen carefully, oh my God, Goodness, there's so much to learn. These stories are here. People cost their lives. Did you know the early people, the Bible was in first in Greek and Hebrew, then it somehow got into Latin by the Romans. And it stayed in Latin and nobody read it, nobody spoke it. And when they wanted to take it out of Latin and put it in all the different languages of the nations, the Catholic Church would burn those people who were trying to translate it because they wanted power and control. There's a great movie that will help you understand it called The Book of Eli with Denzel Washington. And it talks about how when, if you get the Bible, it can control cities and nations and the power that it has. So this one bad guy was looking for it. And uh, Eli had it, but it was in Braille. Great movie to watch. Denzel Washington did another movie called The Fallen, talking about spiritual bad things. He's a great one. He speaks to us. Then he did The Equalizer. Oh, my goodness. Great movie. All right. So you enjoy verse 8, part 2. I'll get this up and then we'll do part three. Love always, Pastor Deborah. And I want all of you now to go back and look at the scriptures. Yeah, all of you that are out there. I want you to listen 
watch it again and again subscribe excuse me subscribe to the channel the hidden kingdoms and you will get notification of each new video lots to look at a lot more coming it's a slow process working but when you listen to this I'm talking to your spirit through the soul to help you because I was brought up to help people the Lord's way so enjoy and let's pray Father take your words spirit and life and turn them on take the veil away from the heart so they may see you it's not only God but their Father let your words be open and living water to them that they may learn about you and come and want to be your child what? you want to be his child now okay father all those that are here now but are listening to this later that desire to be your child in spirit for you to be their father in spirit and they desire for their spirits to be free to worship you in spirit and truth then hear their hearts that have turned to you and let it be so. Set these captives free according to your word. That Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Your children have returned. Bring them home Father. They're running back to you as a prodigal son. Run to them Father. Put the signet ring back on their hand. And have a party for them. They are your inheritance. That you grew up to get. They are yours. They are your victory. Over the thieves. Who robbed you. Long ago. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. Oh my goodness. You ought to be seeing the lights. That are being turned on. Oh my goodness it's like shooting stars coming into people they're lighting up oh it's wonderful if you could everybody could just see it it's so beautiful now everybody well is welcome to come to the garden anytime and walk around and hear the singing flowers meet Wilbur Mr. Turkey Bluebird and yes the word is always there and he is always teaching come lay in his presence feel the love he has for his child for you are his love always and forever pastor deborah and i gotta go to lunch see you next time on another global teleministry video of agape love love is here ministries at www.agapeloveishere.org Bye. Love to all. This is the Father himself saying, Welcome home. Bye. See in spirit, see in truth. Even the lady in the well will be there with us. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today. 
and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually and hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again, watch another one, and we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments, and if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministry, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.